Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tops Talk, episode 17, and we thank you for listening in from whenever and wherever you are. I'm your host, Alex Birch. In this episode, we take a look inside the Tops Bunt app and its newly released 2016 version, which is available in the Apple and Google Play Store now. We also have the first Tops Talk collector interview where I talk with a Tops fan about his or her history with collecting cards and what that means to them. But before we get to those segments, I have Kevin Moody with me to go through this week's Tops News. Kev, take it away. Thanks, Alex. This is Tops News for the week of March 21st. There were two exciting releases for the Tops company this week, both on Wednesday, March 23rd. The first is Tops UEFA Champions League Showcase. This is the first UCL product released by Tops in the U.S. and includes a 200-card base set and two autograph hits in every master box from some of the top players in the world, including Ronaldo. Star Wars The Force Awakens Series 2 also released on Wednesday the 23rd. This product focuses on themes from the new Star Wars movie and includes a 100-card base set with inserts such as character bios, character journeys, and alien identification guide, to name a few. Tops.com is having a sale on many items this Easter weekend, with items such as wall art, custom cards, binders, select sets, and more, ranging from 25 to 60% off. So be sure to check out Tops.com from midnight on Friday, March 25th, through Sunday, March 27th, for all the great deals. Also on Tops.com is Tops Authentics, the only place to find signed memorabilia from MLB players Carlos Correa, Luis Severino, Francisco Lindor, Henry Owens, and Hector Oliveira. And be sure to check out the launch of Tops Bunt 2016 this week, available on all Apple and Android products. Tops.com is gearing up for a new and exciting never-before-seen program, as well as other big announcements from Tops Authentics very soon. So be sure to check out the Tops blog on Tops.com for more information, including redemption reports, product reveals, and more. You can follow us through Facebook at Facebook.com Tops, on Twitter at Tops Cards, or Instagram at Topsports. Thanks, Kevin. Tops Bun 2016 has been released to the public, and there is much to be excited about. From new features, beautiful designs, and a new cover boy of Carlos Correa of the Houston Astros, there are lots of exciting things to look for in this year's version. I talked with app producers Mike Salerno and John Hanford about the 2016 launch, and Mike led us off by explaining the app to those who haven't picked it up yet. Top Spawn will be in our fifth season, uh, and we're really, really excited to be launching the newest version of the app. For those that uh, are not familiar with what Bunt is, uh, it is a digital trading card collecting app where you can play your cards in real time for fantasy implications. You can trade with anyone from around the world. You can join a greater community where uh, fans talk to each other about goings on both in the app and in baseball. Uh, and you really get a greater sense of uh, the nostalgia that everyone had. I know Alex, you did, and myself as well. Uh, growing up, having your uh, your big box of, of trading cards probably somewhere under your mom's bed. Now they're in your pocket everywhere you go. So uh, we're, we could not be more excited to get this season underway. And so for fans who have played in years past, what can they expect to find that is new this year in Top Spun? Well, uh, for fans that are veterans of the app, they're familiar with chasing cards and chasing points and, and really continuing uh, on that. We're going to give them something brand new to chase this year, which is levels. Uh, you can 
you know, you can do a number of things in the app to earn experience points, uh, which will help you level up. Uh, you can go from level one to up to level 50. Uh, and going along the way, you'll be able to unlock certain perks, deals, special cards, special packs. Uh, and it's all, you're you're in charge of it, essentially. In, in, uh, in 2014 and, and 2015, and usually we would have some things where some fans felt restricted uh, more than others, uh, whether you were a hardcore or a casual fan. Uh, today, in 2016, you are kind of the uh, you're in control of your own destiny. So we're really excited for fans to have complete ownership of that and to uh, to really experience levels for the first time. What have what can fans look forward to in a design aspect? Well, the designs have been just getting exponentially better in the last year. Um, over the off season, we had some really great designs, but of course, a lot of people, a lot of fans are in hibernation. They're watching football, doing March Madness and stuff like that. It's understandable. But the designs for the 2016 app are just unbelievable. Uh, we've decided to bring back a, a few different uh, marathons that we had over the off season, um, as well as... Uh, we're going to bring into the app for the first time some old designs that I remember collecting as a kid, like 2001 Topps Gallery. We're going to have the Topps Gallery Marathon set, which is going to have a sort of oil painting uh, on canvas feel to it. It's a beautiful card, and I'm really thrilled with the way they did it. Also, Turkey Red is going to be back in its, uh, in its original form. And we would be remiss if we didn't at least give a shout out to our buddy uh, Dan Polito, who is the lead designer uh, on Bond and the maestro behind uh, pretty much all of the great cards that you see in, in Bond. And uh, we kind of gave Dan a little stick this year because we uh, the Signature Series will be returning as well for 2016. And that card specifically, we had Dan go back to the well a few times uh, and... He probably wanted to throw something heavy at us at some point, but what he came up with at the end is magnificent, and we're really excited to share it with everybody. And something also that debuted in the winter that, I mean, for me, I mean, I love it because I'm a big prospect head, but that it is our prospects. And what and explain what is so interesting about these prospect cards that has never been done before. Well, the prospect cards, what's cool about them and what had never been done before is that they will score not only in the 2016 season, but in all seasons following, as long as they make their debut in 2016. But let's say a guy doesn't debut in 2016. Like, say there's a, say Lucas Giolito somehow doesn't make the Nationals at some point this season. Um, that card wouldn't score in 2017, but each before each season we'll release a prospect set. So before each season we'll, we'll have our top 10 prospects for each position and then they will score in the coming season, and as long as they make the majors that season, in all the seasons following. And I think that prospects are, are synonymous with spring in general, and uh, the idea that hope is around for every major league team. Uh, everybody's in first place on opening day, and it seems like every prospect is Willie Mays also. Uh, so it's fun to see, uh, not only as we're releasing these cards, the, the reactions that he elicits from our fans, um, you know, oh, this guy's going to be great, this guy's going to stink, uh, so on and so forth. But uh, like I said, that hope is is what we kind of draw off of, and it's so much fun to kind of have these cards uh, as part of the app. And not only that, they also make you feel really old because like, some of these guys are born in like 1995, 96, <laughs> and I'm I'm just like, well, I'm still hoping on you know my knuckleball to get me to the major leagues was someday. It? Cody Bellinger? Was that who it was? Clay Bellinger's yeah, yeah, son? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And Mike, I know that one thing that you wanted to touch on in this talk was 
something that you guys are incorporating in Bun that worked so well in Star Wars Card Trader, and that is card exchange. That's right, Alex. And so uh, for fans of Star Wars Card Trader, uh, those who are familiar with uh, Smuggler's Den, that's essentially being rebranded in Bunt as Card Exchange. Uh, the way that we're going to be using it is a is similar and a little bit different at the same time as our, our friends uh, at Star Wars Card Trader. Uh, we will be expanding, for those that are veterans of the app, we usually have five variants of every base card. This year we're going to have ten. And... Uh, the way that's going to work is that more cards will be available for all fans in packs, but also five of those levels will only be available through card exchange at first. Uh, so we're really excited to have, like I said before with levels, really letting the fans kind of be their own boss with that. So you'll be able to, again, if you're hardcore or you're a casual fan, you'll be able to get all the way up to a gold card for your favorite player, whether it be Correa or Trout or Harper or whoever it may be. Uh, and you'll be able to do that all on your own, with, even without the help of uh, trading if you so need to. So uh, we're, we're very excited to have Card Exchange, uh, and we think that it'll add uh, a significant layer of, of fun and uh, engagement for our app. This year is going to be incredibly fun to watch, and especially with, and we have to shout him out more than once because of his devotion to us, Carlos Correa and his Astros. Obviously, we hope that he does well this year and the Astros can do well this year. Um, and, I mean, what a what a treat to have such a great player on the face of our app. Certainly. Uh, thank you so much for coming on here and really explaining everything needed for the Bunt app. The Bunt app 2016 version is out in the Google Play and App Store right now. Be sure to download it if you don't have it already. If you do have it, Go back in it. For God's sake, it's spring. It's time to play baseball. Yep, thanks for having us on the pod, Alex. We're, uh, we're really excited for the new season. Follow Tops Hanford on Twitter for all of his Mariners bias. And myself at Tops Mike for all my self-hating goodness. And, of course, Tops Bunt to find out different releases that are happening throughout the day and different contests and fan giveaways. And, of course, Fan of the Week, which we will be doing each week uh, throughout the season. And we will be sometimes putting you, the Fan of the Week, on here on Tops Talk to discuss your fandom. More of that to come later on this season of Tops Talk and the Tops Fun app. Collectors like you are the reason companies like ours are still doing what we do. And each collector has a different and fascinating story about how he or she got into the hobby they hold dear. Here is the first of what will be a semi-recurring segment titled Top Collectors. He is the Director of Broadcasting and Programming for the Tampa Bay Sports and Entertainment at Emily Arena, and he's also a huge card-collecting fanatic, Matt Salmon. Thanks so much for joining me. Alex, thank you so much for having me on and for uh, providing a little grease to the squeaky wheel. I'm glad to be part of uh, this program. You do a great job and love listening to the program every week. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me, Matt. And uh, and you're definitely the first listener turned guest. So you can take that into whatever <laughs> what, whatever uh, trophy room you have at home. Yeah, it's going on the resume uh, as soon as we're done with this call. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> well, uh, let's get right to it. 
you contacted me letting me know that you have the a love of collecting and i would love to hear how you got into collecting cards yeah it was uh, it's funny you know me contacting you i heard your show with keith olberman last year and uh i just said you know this is pretty interesting because i think a lot of collectors can relate to keith you know we we all got started when we were kids and uh, even as we get older we maintain some kind of connection to baseball card collecting and you know for some of us like keith it's a phenomenal truckload i can only imagine his storage space with with his collection and for others uh you know maybe maybe it's not quite as voracious as it was when we were teenagers but uh you know it's it's still part of our lives and you know for me collecting Growing up here in the Tampa, Florida area, you know, we didn't actually have certainly no Major League Baseball at the time. You know, I'm talking about the 1980s. We had spring training. We had minor leagues. We had a a god-awful NFL team in town. Uh, So it's kind of an outlier market. But uh, when I was, I want to say maybe around 10 years old, I really got into sports. And I had always liked sports. I had played sports. Sports was fun. But around the age of 10, I really just got into the statistics of sports, the history of sports, logos and jerseys and names. And it was, I I remember it like it was yesterday. It was in 1989, uh, I want to say maybe like August, maybe September. uh, I was helping my mom doing grocery shopping. We were at a a local uh, supermarket, and because it was late in the summer, they're clearly clearing out the 1989 stock. So there's a, a big bushel basket full of, of tops packs, and they were marked down to like three for a dollar or something like that. And my mom says, hey, do you want to get some baseball cards? I said, sure. And from then on, it grew from a handful of packs to uh, quite literally, and I counted this uh, back in the day, uh, something like 30 or 35,000 cards, you know, within four or five years. And, uh, you know, it was it, it was quite the hobby for me and, and, you know, a lot of fun, made a lot of friends doing it. And uh, it all started with that one, you know, purchase of a few packs. And I have an older brother who, you know, he collected cards in the early 80s. So I knew what baseball cards were and I knew what they looked like and, you know, that people collected them, but didn't personally get into it until I was around 10. And it just happened to be at that same time that I just dove into sports. And, and really, ever since then, uh, it's been part of my life, uh, not just the sports, but also uh, keeping that tangible collection of uh, cards as well. And I think one of my favorite things about asking people about how they began collecting is because while everyone obviously has a, a, a you know a very different story in many respects like Keith Olbermann as you know you noted was on this program and he had probably my favorite one just because he could remember it so clearly because the man has an encyclopedic memory but <laughs> but how you know he didn't get a, a certain a certain item in the pack that you know, everyone else got and because of that like he went crazy with trying to complete his set and all that jazz but so many people have very similar stories of you know it was so innocent <laughs> i was just yeah. i was just i was just in the store with my mom or my dad and they're like hey you want one of these and then boom an explosion when they get home when, when they realize just how much they love this stuff for you i mean it seems to have you seem to have that same kind of moment of oh my gosh like this is 
something that I want to keep buying. This is something I want more of. And so how did you grow your collection? Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny you mention that because, you know, again, this was late in the summer, so I'm I'm just picking it up, you know, in, in mid-season. But, yeah, it just caught on like wildfire after that. And I remember, you know, even before going out to baseball card shops and getting, you know, the specific carrying boxes and, and plastic holders and stuff, uh, I, I found, uh, you know, a Velveeta cheese box that served as my first box to store all these cards that I was suddenly uh, amassing. And it's funny that you, you remember these things 25-plus years later. Um, and, you know, it, and then obviously the next season rolls around, and it's 1990, and you're looking at, you know, all right, let's look at the different card designs. And I remember the 1990 tops. It's still one of my favorites just because – it screams 1990, you know, <laughs> the various colors, the different texture borders. And, uh, of course, uh, the players are still wearing 80s hair and 80s mustaches and stuff like that. It's uh, quite the, the testament to, to history in general. But uh, starting in 1990, I just started buying packs. And that is, as years went on, that was my primary collection method. I didn't like buying singles. I didn't like going to shops or, you know, uh, flea markets or anything and buying specific cards. Uh, I didn't like buying complete sets. Uh, you know, I, the fun for me was trying to build the set. Now, I still have in my collection somewhere uh, the 1992 top set. I got it, I think, as a Christmas gift one year, and it's still you know, a neat thing to have in the box. Granted, I have to, I have to be honest. I broke the seal because there were the gold cards in there and I had to see what those looked like. So I'm sure the value has gone down, but um, you know, for me, it was building the set. And if it wasn't packs, as I got a little older and I started to earn a little more money mowing the neighbor's yard and, and doing stuff like that, it was a treat every maybe once a month I'd, I'd save up enough money to go out and buy a box of cards. And there was no bigger thrill, uh, you know, for, for a young teenager to be going through this box of cards, just ripping through the wax packs. Yes. Having the gum as well. Uh, smell there, There's this intoxicating smell. And I mean that in a good way, an intoxicating smell of <laughs> the gum, the cardboard, uh, the wax, you know, those of us who grew up in the eighties and early nineties still, you can still remember that you can still smell it in those cards today, even if they're, they've been sitting in a box forever, but, uh, ripping through the, the box, seeing what you got, separating the stars and rookies from everything else. And then I'd spend an hour, uh, collating them, you know, putting them in numerical order. Okay. Well, these are the cards I need to get to, to complete the set. And that was, that was really the biggest, uh, way that the collection grew by leaps and bounds. It was every few weeks getting that box of cards, which actually came out to what, like 500 cards per per box, and just over the years, it just amassed into something greater. And then for me too, uh, you know, not only was it the new models or, or the new sets, I should say, um, as somebody who likes the history of the game and and history in general, at a very young age, I started collecting older cards. So I would. I would go to flea markets or, or baseball card shows, and just if I had spare change, I would just buy these cards from the 1960s and 1970s, and and uh, that's actually the the methodology of collecting that kept me connected throughout the years. You know, when I wasn't buying new cards, I always had an eye on on old cards, and through the years, I was able to uh, collect a pretty 
nice uh, amount of cards from the 50s and 60s and 70s. Nothing that's going to pay my kids' college tuition, but, uh, you know, just something that's really, it, to me, it's neat to have a 50-year-old baseball card in your hand or a set of 40- or 50-year-old cards. So um, it kind of grew both ways with the new stuff and then my interest in, in historical stuff, too. It, it kind of built out from there as well. Now, I want you to really think about this hypothetical question, but let's say there's a Florida hurricane coming and you got to and you got to choose one card that you that is from your past that you got to hold on to and that you can start your next, you know, maybe your next collection with. But one card that you love dearly, what would you say that card is? Oh, geez just one <laughs> yep no. i want just oh. one i could be nicer and because yeah. and obviously and obviously you have a larger hand than a small child so you can probably grab more than one yeah so let's say yeah. top let's say top five top five yeah do you know what it's it's hard to say it's hard to pick just one and it's hard to say top five, but because you, you opened the door a little bit and said if, if basically if I had to grab a handful. Uh, exactly. I, there's, there's, there's a stack of cards that I collected, again, when I was a teenager, um, and I forget exactly how I acquired them, but uh, they were all like 77, 78. Uh, I was born in 77, so I've always had this neat little – connection to the 77 set and i remember i somehow collected carlton fisk robin young phil negro um who else burt blylevin uh, there were about 1077 tops cards uh so if 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 i had to just grab those cards to start the next set uh, if I can remember which box they're in, <laughs> I would reach into there <laughs> and grab them uh, because those are the ones that I remember are in the, the single plastic holders, and I, I could just grab them out of the box and go. I've, like I said, I've always had that connection to 1977. That's that's one of my favorite sets, um, and, and that would have to be if you if you said that was it, that would be the one that I'd be going for because it's hard to pick just one. So uh, yeah, I'll just grab a handful if I could. Okay, and now how. If you have a favorite player, how did you collect his likeness? Do you know what's funny? I, I had a favorite player. Um, again, we didn't have a major league team here in Tampa. For absolutely no good reason, I liked the Toronto Blue Jays growing up. Interesting. Uh, and and the, the timing was actually good. And you know what, what's interesting about it is, first of all, the Blue Jays spring train here, not too far from here in Dunedin. But also, I recall a local TV station used to pipe in uh, Blue Jay games on weekends. They would get the CTV feed. So I, I got to watch Blue Jays games uh, throughout the season. So th- I think that helped it out. Um, and it's funny, you look at those Blue Jay teams, late 80s, early 90s, my favorite player, bar none, was Dave Steep. I, uh-huh. uh, I think he was the most underrated pitcher of that era because that was the era of the fastball. That was the era of Doc Gooden. That was the era of Roger Clemens. Uh, you know, pitchers like that. Randy Johnson was up and coming back then. Dave Steed didn't have the most spectacular 
fastball, but he had one of the most wicked backdoor sliders in baseball history. And that, that was his out pitch. And even if he had 120 pitches thrown and he had nothing left in his arm, he could always squeeze one of those backdoor sliders out and, and fool the batter. So I, I took a liking to Dave Steed. And when I collected, you know, again, it started with wax packs. But after that, then it would be uh, buying older wax packs, you know, going back four or five years. Uh, and then that was the time where uh, I would go to a flea market or I, I would go to a baseball card shop. It's hard to explain how you used to buy stuff pre-internet, pre-eBay pre and Amazon. You know, you actually had to get up out of your house and go out and look for these. But uh, I would always strike my luck with wax if I was lucky enough to get the card. That would be helpful. But then you had to do a little bit of a detective search. And, um, you know, fortunately, Dave started his career, and, and the bulk of his career was right before the industry exploded to where each player had 36 cards in any given year. It was a lot easier to find a handful. But he was my favorite player. It started with wax. I'd, I'd hunt for it afterwards, but I did, and I still have the complete Dave Steed collection from his – 1980 tops uh, right up until uh, 93 when when his Blue Jay career ended and he was finishing up his pro career uh, with the Chicago White Sox before he came back uh, for that little bit of a, a return in the late 90s. But I, I still have that stack of about 50 cards uh, from that time. Yeah, Dave Steve, well, that, that's a great choice. It really is. I mean, he, I mean, a Blue Jay legend first off, and yeah. and secondly, I mean, such an underrated, such an underrated pitcher. And I mean, I'm, I and now one of um, one of my favorite websites, and I think a lot of baseball fans can agree, is Baseball Reference. Yeah. And so, just pulling up his Baseball Reference page, which is, I mean, first off, Baseball Reference, you can just get lost in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can spend a day there. Yes. You really can, and ju- and you know what really gets you to to really get you lost in there is the similar players area and the most similar by ages uh and so that 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 always gets me but i mean he he multiple times had at least 17 wins and at one year had 18 and really always had his era roughly around three which i mean in the american league at that time is pretty great um and and not just the american league don't forget uh, a lot of his career was played in that goofy exhibition stadium. I mean, that of was, course. that was, that was a bandbox wedged into a football field. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that he was able to succeed and through much of that time too, it was Dave, Steve, Jimmy key, and not a whole lot else in that rotation. I think that's what makes his career even more, uh, phenomenal considering he didn't have a whole lot of support around him, especially early on. Yeah. And, and I always, when thinking of Dave Steve, I always was so glad that he was part of that World Series win. Yes. Because he, gosh, if anyone on that squad like deserved to be a part of that a World mm-hmm. Series team, it was him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you picked a, quite a time to uh, to be a Blue Jay fan, as I just alluded to. I mean, a few World Series championships to start the '90s. I mean, you, that must have been such a thrill for you. It was, and it, it, what's so funny is. I and a friend of mine at school, we were the only Toronto Blue Jays fans that we knew of, of our age group in the state of Florida. Uh, <laughs> and you know, we, we were able to, to revel in that. Uh, and, and it was pretty unique. And even 
from watching afar. You know, again, this is before MLB extra innings or, or internet. You know, you had to count on box scores. You had to count on, uh, you know, the the odd TV broadcast. Maybe ESPN would pick up a game once a week, but. This is, uh, Alex, one of the big reasons why I loved baseball cards because, and again, it's hard to explain to younger people pre-internet what life was like. I mean, it sounds like I'm trying to describe a dinosaur to them. (laughs) But, you know, baseball cards, they were the connection to these players. I mean, now you pull out your phone, you can pull up stats, you can pull up baseballreference.com, you can pull up pictures of, of players and baseball cards. But, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, that was how you knew what the players looked like. That's how you knew what their stats were. That's how you knew if a team changed its logo or had a different uniform. That was our daily tangible connection, a visual connection to our favorite players, our favorite teams, or just the sport in general. Because, like I said, you could get box scores in the newspaper or, or in a, a you know, sporting news. Uh, you could get highlights on, on Sports Center or your local TV broadcast. But, you know, those were at specific times of the day. I could go into my room and pull out a box of cards and just rifle through there and, you know, still see, you know, what this player looked like, what this team looked like. Um, and it's kind of funny, you know, some of these images still last uh, all these days. Like, you know, we can remember maybe some player had a really goofy looking card or, um, you know, we, we all know what uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s tops rookie card looks like because it's just ingrained in us because that, that was all we, we pretty much had back in the day. And it's just, it's so fascinating to, to so many people now who are, you know, maybe born after or around 2000. And I mean, they just don't know a time without the, without the internet. I mean, it's as, it's as everywhere as water. I mean, it's just, it's, that's what life includes. Uh, And so just to think that these baseball cards had such a a meaning to to people. And like you said, a real portal to the favorite team of theirs, Um, especially if someone like you who had a favorite team that was not even close to where they lived. <laughs> no, nowhere close. Yes. And the funny thing is, of course, the 92 World Series was against the Braves. Well, everybody in Florida magically became a Braves fan, and that just drove me nuts. So so it was, it was great to have that connection to my favorite team, which was only two or 3,000 miles away. And like I said, it was great to have that tangible connection right by my side whenever I wanted it. Like I said, I'd go in my room, pull out a box of cards, and there it was. One of my final questions for you is, first off, are you still a fan of the Blue Jays? Uh, in a heartfelt kind of way, yes. Uh, I have been, uh, after I went to college, I moved back here to Tampa, and I have been a Tampa Bay Rays fan, first and foremost. Um, it's uh, They need all the fans they can get. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, let me tell you, when I first moved back here, it was, was a 99-2000. That team was losing 106 games on a regular basis. So it wasn't easy to be a Rays fan, but now they, they've certainly got their act together. Uh, I, I love the Rays. Uh, I will have to admit, though, when the Blue Jays made it to the playoffs for the first time since 1993. Yes. Uh, I, had, I had a little bit of a soft spot uh, I absolutely love the fact that it was Ray, or Jays and Royals in the LCS exactly 30 years later. That was pretty phenomenal. Uh, I watched them with interest. I still have, uh, just, just for old time's sake, a, 
a throwback Blue Jays uh, jersey in my closet. But uh, it, it's the Tampa Bay Rays right now. And, and part of that, too, is I've got a six-year-old boy who uh, is just getting into sports and, you know, we go to, to you know, minor league games around here, but it's really special when we pull together enough money to go to a Rays game. So, uh, you know, got, got to put on the Tampa Bay gear first. <laughs> that's fine. And that's a perfect segue to my final question, which is leaving a legacy of collecting cards. And are, are, do you plan on doing that for your six-year-old? Oh, yeah, already, uh, already did that. Uh, it actually started, I mean, Technically, a couple years ago, but you know, when when your kid's four or five, they're not really grasping on to you know what you're doing. Hey, here's a pack of cards. Let's open it up. But especially last year, the the one, uh, I mean, I love the regular tops uh, series and design, especially the 2016. I think it's really sharp. But I love the Heritage series. Love it, love it, love it. And it goes back to the actual 1960s and 50s cards that I bought as a kid. So when Heritage comes out, I'll buy a few packs and, you know, dangle it, carry it on the stick to my son. Hey, if you're a good boy, we'll open these up later tonight. And, uh, you know, we go through the packs and, you know, he's a Rays fan too. So anytime he gets a Rays card, even though if he doesn't know who the player is, he gets really excited. And anytime I pull a Rays card, of course, we're trading cards back and forth, which is, uh, you know, kind of fun. It's a great father-son moment. And, you know, again, in in today's high-tech world, the fact that we can get down to basics and just be trading, you know, baseball cards with your son is, is really special. And now he's, he's taken it to a whole new level. It's not just collecting cards and looking at them and, you know, now he's getting to know, he can look at a logo and tell you what team it is. He can look at the card and, and read it off and, and, you know, read the player's name. Uh, you know, now he's using them, uh, you know, for, you know, he's got these little baseball toys and, you know, now he'll pull two random cards. Okay, the Rockies are playing the Red Sox. And then he'll he'll have this little make-believe game with, with his toys. So, I mean, he's, he's using it more than just collecting and you know, for dad, that is just so cool. Uh, not only to have, you know, just this father-son time, but to see that at a younger age than when I started, he's getting into it, and for completely different reasons. Uh, but but at the same, t- you know, like I said, he's not going to wrap himself around these cards and just go, oh, this one's more valuable, or oh, this is the rookie card, et cetera, et cetera. It- it's just like me when I was a kid. Hey, this is this team or this looks really cool and and it's a really fun moment and and it's so funny my wife and i just recently said we need to get a box for him to put these in because you know we've got stacks of cards just spilling over in his in his room and whatever room he takes them to so you know it's it's neat uh you know who knows where he takes it uh obviously i've got a collection that i may pass on to him and it's not just team logos and and player names it's life lessons too i've literally taken a baseball card and uh, you know he's he's a bit of a perfectionist and a bit of a of a, a sore loser when it comes to sports he doesn't like losing and you know i was able to take a baseball card and say hey look at this player he plays for the rays did he win every game he pitched no did he uh you know strike everybody out no but it says right here he's one of the best players in, in the league so it's funny, you know, we're, we're using baseball cards not only to teach uh, names and, and players, but uh, life lessons, too. And when you're a dad, any any way that you can get those lessons across 
if it's on a baseball card, that's that's even cooler in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, the legacy is already starting, and and if he's anything like his old man, he's going to drive his future wife crazy with boxes and boxes of cards. Thanks for listening to Top Stock, and we hope you hear us again soon. You can find us on Audioboom as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, and you can follow us on Twitter at Topstock. If you have any questions or comments or would like to be a top collector and share your collecting story, send us an email at topstock at tops.com. Special thanks goes to Clay Laraski, Leanne Minutoli, and Susan Lejudai, Mike Salerno, John Hanford, and Matt Salmon. This has been Episode 17 of Topstock.